I'm going to continue on this morning uh, with um, what I started last Sunday. In a sense, I, I preached a sermon called Canceled uh, and uh, for, having to do with forgiveness. And it's about the life of Joseph and how uh, Joseph in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of Genesis chapter uh, 41, when we read about Joseph, where I'm going to be picking up from, uh, he has been... been uh, uh, brought up in a place where he becomes a slave. He gets sold into slavery. His brothers, for those of you who uh, weren't here last uh, Sunday and, and don't know the story of Joseph, uh, he was sold into uh, slavery by his brothers, unfortunately, and then uh, thrown into a pit, then sold into slavery and went through, through uh, a lot of different changes uh, in his life, but yet was elevated because he was faithful to God to be second in uh, authority and in command in all of Egypt during his day. And uh, so in saying that, last week we talked about how he uh, and his wife gave birth uh, to two sons. Uh, the first one was named Manasseh, and uh, I preached on the, the meaning of his, his uh, name, Manasseh. God has caused me to forget all my trouble, my toil, uh, in the land of my fathers. And then this morning, his second son that he speaks about is called uh, Ephraim. That God, the meaning of that, he named his son, has caused me to forget my, uh, to be fruitful in the land of my troubles. God has caused me to be fruitful, blessed in the land of my trouble. And this morning, we need to look at Joseph's life and how because he allowed God to bring healing into his life, forgiveness for his brothers who had thrown him into a pit and sold him into slavery, and the things that happened to him, he didn't allow those things to hold him back from still trusting God, from still having faith in God that God would meet his needs, because God gave him a promise that he would rule. God gave him a promise, a dream, that he would be over in authority his, his older brothers. And he held on to the promise of God, held on to the word of God, like you and I need to hold on to the promise and on to the word of God. No matter what trouble we find ourselves in, no matter what, what pain or, or, or resentment or unforgiveness that the devil wants to throw at us, we need to let go and let God, just like Joseph did. And the results was that the Bible says uh, God brought him to a place of fruitfulness and uh, blessing. So I want to look this morning at Joseph's life and the second part uh, of uh, the statement that he makes uh, in the Word of God uh, in uh, chapter number 41 and uh, uh, in verse number 50. And unto Joseph were born two sons before the year of famine came. And it goes on and says, verse 51, And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God, make me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second called Ephraim, for God had made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. And so I want to take a look at uh, Joseph's life this morning as he refers to the birth of his second son, and he calls him Ephraim. God caused him to be fruitful in the land 
of his uh, trouble or turmoil or suffering. And that fruitfulness Joseph was referring to as he was put in a position of second in command or second in authority over all of Egypt and all of the people and all of the lands uh, that uh, Egypt had conquered. He was talking about the success and the abundance that was there. There's a description in verse 47 in chapter 41 in the book of Genesis of how much Joseph uh, had become blessed and how fruitful God uh, caused him to be and uh, the land of Egypt. Because God blesses the man of God. God blesses the person of God. And the blessing that the person of God receives spreads out to those around. And that's what happened in our story here. And in verse 47, it says that during the seven years of abundance, that the land produced bountifully. And it says that Joseph stored up huge quantities uh, of grain of like the sands of the sea, so much that they stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. In other words, they didn't have an arithmetic that could count as much uh, as grain that they received. Isn't that something this morning? Wouldn't you like that to be said of your resources and your finances and your uh, uh, um, whatever it is that you have that God has blessed you so much, God has prospered you so much in abundance uh, that there were no numbers uh, to be able to count how much you had. Uh, one, one, a movie I really like is called Hidden Figures. And that movie, uh, obviously, it, it talks about, uh, it focuses on uh, these three uh, black ladies who uh, were working for NASA and uh, how God, uh, how they were used because of their gift that they had of working with numbers uh, that um, they were used in NASA to promote the space program. And, and this one uh, woman uh, that they kind of focused the whole story on uh, was, was helping them to uh, get the first astronaut, I believe it was John Glenn, uh, back or, yeah, into, from orbit, orbiting around the Earth. And there was a certain window that they had uh, to bring that space capsule from orbit back into Earth safely without burning up on reentry. And what the story says was that uh, they had to figure out the numbers, the math, that they had to slow down that, uh, that capsule. And what they said was that there wasn't any math that was invented yet to do that. There was, they had to figure out a math. And they had to, to, to try and figure out the numbers in order to bring that capsule down safely. Well, that's what was going on here with Joseph. It says they had so much, they had been, God had blessed them so much that they stopped keep, keeping records because it was beyond measure or how they could measure. That's amazing when you think about it this morning. When you think about how God can bless a person who remains faithful and uh, who is able to let go of hurt and bitterness and resentment, when you do that, you'll allow God to come in and begin to produce fruitfulness in your life, begin to begin to produce blessing upon blessing that it goes beyond measure. I would like that to be said about my life. How about you? And the way to do that is Joseph, we read, he 
had let go and allowed God to bring healing into his life. Some of you here today need uh, to listen to what I preached about last Sunday so that you can let go and let God begin to heal those, those hurts in your life and, and brokenness in your life so that he can begin to produce uh, fruit in you to a greater extent, uh, begin to bless you and uh, to prosper you. In Psalm chapter 1 and verse 3, it says that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Amen. See, God wants to bless you. He wants to uh, prosper your life. He wants to cause you to be fruitful. He did it for Joseph. He did it for the people in Egypt. And I guarantee you, God wants to do it for you and I. So let's take a look briefly at some of the principles that Joseph used according to the Word of God that caused the abundance that we just read about, that caused the multiplication to take place uh, in Egypt uh, because Joseph was faithful to God. Let's define that word prosper because sometimes we get caught up in the negativity of that word when it comes to biblical uh, understanding. Uh, unfortunately, the, that prosperity gospel we hear about so much uh, where, you know, the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, where, you know, it is, I claim this, I, I, and, and that prosperity gospel that I don't believe the Bible speaks about it that way. But what I do believe is that God does want to prosper us according to his standard in his word, in his timing, the way he says it needs to be. Now, let me define the word prosper for you to give you a better understanding. It means to flourish, to thrive, to grow in health, and to be successful. And this covers a myriad of, of aspects of who you and I are in life. Yes, it does cover our finances. It does cover our material possessions that God wants to prosper us in. But then it does cover other areas of our life. Maturity, prosperous uh, spiritually. He wants to prosper us uh, so that we can thrive in our marriages, prosperous uh, even in our health and our bodies. Uh, there's so many different ways that God wants to prosper us in. And when we grasp that, we're not going to be afraid of praying, God, prosper me. God, let my life be prospered and be fruitful like you did with Joseph because that's what God says he wants to do for us this morning. And we have to believe the word of God. How many can say amen? We look at the, uh, Joseph's grandfather, Abraham. And the Bible said that God spoke to Abraham and told him that he would bless him and cause a blessing to be upon others because uh, he was going to be blessed. And when God blesses us, when he prospers us, when he, 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 he provides for us, it's not only for us to hold on to, but it's for us to be a blessing to other people around us. And there's a principle involved when we put that to practice. We see that in Joseph's life. As we're going to look, when God blessed Joseph, prospered Joseph personally, 
and uh, prospered Joseph in a sense to him, put him over a bunch of uh, so much wealth and uh, grain and people that he didn't hold that to himself, but he shared what he had to help other people. In Joshua chapter number one and verse eight, listen to the word of God because it's when we build our lives upon God's word is that we can never fail. When you put your life in the hands of God and you base your life upon the word of God, there is no failing. There, there, is, there, is, there is no negativity. It's all positive. It's all for the honoring glory of God because God will use his word to bring blessing like he did with Joseph. Listen to what it says. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Why? So that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then this is what it says. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So you see the linking and the tying together with us standing upon the word of God, not allowing the word of God to depart from our mouth or from our thinking and meditation upon it. And when we keep that functioning in our life, the Bible says, then you will be prosperous and successful. So let me say this. If God promised the Old Testament saints that if they did this, they would be blessed, fruitful, and prosperous, how much more for you and I who are under the New Testament now, which the Bible says is a far better covenant or agreement than the Old Testament. We have Jesus uh, as our Lord and Savior. It is a far better covenant and agreement than the Old Testament saints had. And if God did it for them, hey, he's going to do it for us here this morning in the land of your tribulation, in the place of your trouble, in spite of what you're dealing with, if you allow God's healing to come into your life, I guarantee you the fruitfulness of God will begin to grow. It's something, it's a principle Joseph understood. In 3 John chapter 1, and in verse 2, listen to what John says. Beloved, I wish... Above all things that you may, what? Prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers spiritually, physically, even uh, materially. Here the scripture is saying that that's what God wants for us. So when God wants to bless you, don't shy away from it. Let God bless you. It's because of, of who you are as a child of God, the same way he did with Joseph. Stand upon the word of God. Don't let it depart from your mouth or from your meditation. And when you do that, the principles that Joseph used, God will begin to apply in your life. Because God's word is consistent and it is true and it doesn't change with situations. How many can say amen? It is consistent, it is true, it is constant, and does not change. I read a story. I used this illustration before about a dairy farmer who went to buy a new pickup truck. 
He saw an ad in the paper. His old, his old clunker was, was starting to break down more and more. So he needed a new truck for his farm. So he chose the model that he read about. The price was there. And so he went down uh, to the to showroom, and he told the salesperson, this is the truck I want. I read about it in the ad. And uh, he got his checkbook out, and he's ready to sign the check. And the salesman said, wait, 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 don't sign that check yet. Don't make out the amount. He said, because there's some things you have to add. The farmer said, what do you mean? This is what the, the, the ad said. He said, well, that was the base model. How many have ever had a bait and switch on you? Right? That's what's going on with this farmer. So then the guy says, well, once the salesman told the farmer, now that you add up all the extras, this is what it's going to cost. The farmer was upset, but he already went down there. He said, I'll pay the extra price, wrote the check out, and took the truck home. Well, a few months later, that same car salesman called the farmer because he wanted to buy a cow for his son's 4-H project. The farmer assured the car salesman he had several good milk cows for sale, and they only cost $500. The salesman drove out, picked the cow, took out his checkbook, and started to write out a check for $500. Farmer says, wait a minute, I haven't given you the final cost. He handed the salesman a bill for the extras, and this is what it read. Basic cow, $500. Two-tone exterior, $45. Extra stomach, $75. Milk storage compartment, $60. Straw recycle compartment, $120. Four handy milking spouts. $10 each, $40. Leather upholstery, $125. Dual horns, $45. Automatic rear fly swatter, $38. Natural fertilizer attachment, $185. Grand total, $1,233. You see, God's word is not like what the salesman and this, this farmer did to each other. God's word is consistent. And when he says, I will do, I will bless you, I will provide for you, I will prosper you, I will cause you to be fruitful, you stand upon the word of God. That's what God says, and that's what he wants to do for you and I. And Joseph understood that if he stood by God's word, and according to God's principles, there could be nothing else but blessing and fruitfulness that would come. And he wanted to testify about that. And that's why he named his son Ephraim. God has called me to be fruitful in the land of my tribulation. God speaks. And God challenged us as he challenged Joseph. And number one, what Joseph did when he was speaking to the people, he said in Genesis chapter 47 and verse 23, now that I have bought you, because they had so much money, they went and bought all these different lands, these countries, and all the people in them. Think about that. And now Joseph is going to provide for the people. And he says, now that I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here is seed for you 
to go and plant into the ground. So Joseph gave instruction to the people that he was going to provide food for, seed for. Not to eat, not to give to the cows or to their livestock, but the seed was to sow or to plant. The principles that Joseph used for the people in Egypt are the same things that we know agriculture uses today. You can't have a harvest unless you plant the seed. How many can say amen? There can be no increase until you learn to sow the seed. This morning, what is that seed? That seed, not necessarily just your finances, your money, your material goods, but it could be what God has given to you. That seed could be your gift, your talent. It could be the time that God has given to you to invest into other people's lives, to help others. That's the seed. And you'll not see fruitfulness. You won't see a, a maturity and, and a thriving of that seed, the gift, the, the, your time, the multiplying of that, or your resources until you learn to sow it, until you learn to allow God to use it to help others uh, and to bring glory to his name. You see, every opportunity we have to sow, to serve, to, to give is an opportunity to increase the fruitfulness. I remember when Nancy and I first came to, back then it was Victory Chapel. And, you know, I was playing around with playing the flute on my own, taking lessons on my own. And I wasn't, you know, I was learning to read music, but I wasn't really proficient at all until I came and started to utilize and use that that gift during the song service. I'm so glad Jesus set me free. You know, I mean, easy notes, you know, C, D, E. It's back and forth, back and forth. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. You know, and I used that, but as I started using that, I became more proficient where I started even to do a little, you know, in there. And had I not done that, I would have just stayed in the dun, 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 dun. Then I went to the saxophone because I was faithful in, in allowing God to use that little bit of gift I had to cause it to be fruitful in a different and in a better way. It's no different with us in anything God has given to us. Again, whether it's your money, whether it's your gifting, your time, it's not going to grow. It's not going to thrive. It's not going to prosper or be fruitful until you sow it someplace. And what better place to sow it than here into the house of the Lord? Amen. So when offering time comes or when a call or challenge comes to be able to, to say, hey, can you help us out with this or can you invest in this or can you, can you do something over here? I tell you what, that's an opportunity God has given to us uh, to plant the seed. Luke 6.38, Jesus said, give and it will be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together and what? running over or overflowing. God wants to reproduce and to multiply 
what it is that he's placed in your life and in your hand. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. And I think about as Joseph gave the instructions to the Egyptians, these pagans, he said, here's some seed, take it and go plant it. And they did exactly what Joseph told them to do. They obeyed Joseph. The point, shouldn't you and I, the people of God, be more apt to obey the word of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for you and I? He's forgiven our sins. He's written our names in the Lamb's book of life. When God's word speaks to us about any given area of our seed to be planted, shouldn't we be more obedient than the pagans were to Joseph in his day? I think so. I really do think so. Because without seed time, without sowing, it's impossible to have harvest time. If you give nothing, you get nothing. How many can say amen? amen. If you sow nothing, you get nothing. For you, you, you mathematician geniuses out there, zero plus zero equals zero. Well, there's a couple of smart folks over here. Zero plus zero is still zero. And there are too many people in the house of God thinks that zero plus zero equals whatever I want. Equals all the blessings of God. Equals God's going to meet my needs and this and the other is going to happen. That's not the way it works. If you never plant or you never sow, how can you grow anything? How can you reap anything? It's like prayer. If you never pray, how can you expect God to answer? Right? Too many people want God's answers without even praying. James chapter 4 verse 2 says, you have not. Why? Because you don't ask. In other words, you don't sow any prayer, so how do you expect to reap any answers? Same, same way with what I'm talking about. It's the spiritual principle. Joseph was teaching uh, the pagans uh, in Egypt, uh, you need to sow or plant in order to have something back. Because he knew a famine was coming, seven years of famine. And because they obeyed Joseph, they planted instead of feeding it to their livestock. And when that famine came, I'll guarantee you, they had food to eat. Just like that widow of Zarephath, when uh, there was a famine in the land, and uh, they came to, uh, the prophet Elijah comes to her and says, listen, I'm hungry, can you feed me? And she said, look, I only have food enough for one more meal for me and my son, and then we're going to die, because there's nothing left. And he said, I'll tell you what, you feed me first, you sow into my life first, and uh, God will take care of the rest. And we know the story, 
how she made the meal and she gave to the man of God first. And the, and the, and the results of that uh, was that she had so much meal and oil that was there that not only did she eat her and her son, but they had leftovers and plenty for later on. When you go to God and you give to God first, I always guarantee you, God will always, 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 always prosper your life, bless your life, Beyond our own understanding. Beyond our own concept. What you sow, you reap. That works with everything in life. I read this quote that I like. It says, when what you have in your hand is not enough to meet your need, then what you have in your hand is your seed. You know... We've had testimonies that's coming up, uh, prayer, I mean, uh, yeah, Prayer Central next, uh, this coming Friday, I believe, the first Friday of the month. And we have so many people that come and give testimonies about how God has blessed them when they only had so much in, in, in their, their pocket financially, and they didn't have enough to pay the bill, they didn't have enough to, for this or the other, so they said, hey, I'm going to give it to God. God says he'll bless. And testimony after testimony, for those that did that, they put their faith and trust in the word of God. They obeyed the principle of sowing and reaping. They did reap over a time where God blessed them abundantly beyond what they first initially gave. That's the, that's the word of God. Do you believe the word of God here this morning? We have to believe the word of God for God to be able to bring that principle to pass in our lives. Some people say, I have nothing to give. That's not so. You all, we always have something to give, don't we? I mean, there's always a penny somewhere in your, in your house, in the cushion, in the car, in the seat, in your pocket. Just like that widow that, 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 who gave, that old woman who just gave her last mite. Two mites that she had. All she had, she gave it. Second Corinthians 9. In verse 10, Paul says, For God who gives seed to the farmer to plant, and later on good crops to harvest and eat, will give you more and more seed to plant, and will make it grow, so that you can give away more and more fruit from your harvest. So what the Word of God is saying here is that God is the one that supplies the seed. Like Joseph supplied the seed to the people, God is the one who supplies the seed to us and will give us more and more as we sow. So what? We can expect the harvest. Expect the harvest. How, how is it when you give into the offering or you give your tithes? Is it just like, ah, eh, here you go, I have to do this. Otherwise, I'm going to go to hell. <laughs> what, what's your attitude when you, when you give an offering or when you pay your tithes or when you serve? Because we're talking about sowing your time and your talents. What's your attitude? Ah, you make, I got to do this or I'm going to look like a rebel. You know, I have, I have to help out or I'm going to look like I'm lazy and I don't care. So, What's your attitude? You see... Scripture tells us whatever we do, we need to do it with all of our heart. As unto the Lord, heartily, as unto God. You know how we eat? 
You know, nobody just like me. I mean, we get into it, right? Yeah, and it's all over, and it's dripping. And it's there, you're enjoying it. I mean, you're eating heartily. Well, that's the way we're supposed to do for God. Whatever we do, expect a harvest when you sow into the kingdom of God, when you pay your tithes, when you give an offering. Say, God, I expect something back. However it's going to come, I'm doing this because this is what your word says. When I'm serving, I'm helping. God, I'm doing this because I love you. I want to help people. I'm doing it, and I expect a blessing back in my life, and God's going to multiply and bring fruitfulness. God will do that. But we have to expect the harvest, whatever that harvest might be. Joseph expected a harvest, and it was sufficient to feed Egypt for seven years. Think about that, during the famine. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I'd like for our, our, our music team to come this morning as I bring this to a conclusion. Joseph gained so much, as we read in Genesis chapter 41 and verse 47. The mountains of grain that God blessed them with during those seven years of plenty. So much that it could not be counted. People say, well... I'm not sure if I could ever catch up. I'm not sure if I, ever have, I could ever make up. I'm so much in debt, so much in the hole. I have a scripture for you to hold on to, those of you who think you're in that place. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. Write it down. This is what it says. Paul the Apostle is writing. It says, God is able to make it up to you by giving you everything you need and more so there will be not only enough for your own needs but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. God will make it up. He's willing to make it up. Joel chapter 2 and verse 25 says, And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten up. What does God need to make up in your life? God will give you back what the devil has stolen from you when you apply the first fruits principles uh, in your life. God will make up to you whatever the devil has stolen from you when you were sick uh, or you were out of a job. God will make it up by giving you a better job, by giving you resources uh, from a place that you probably wouldn't even expect it from. God will make it up to you when you got ripped off by somebody. Don't worry about it. God is a God of justice. God sees whatever's going on, and he will make it up to you in a way where you will have plenty, not only for you, but to help other people around you, just like Joseph did. This morning, when the crop comes in, Joseph told the people, Give back a fifth to Pharaoh. 
because that's where it came from, Pharaoh's granaries. So once you plant the seed and it starts to grow, you got to give a fifth of what you grow to Pharaoh. 20%. 20%. And the Bible says the people gave back to Pharaoh joyfully, and it says because he saved their lives during those time of famine. We're going to be celebrating Easter pretty soon. And we're going to be celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross of Calvary to save our lives, to bring forgiveness of sins into our lives, to have our name written in the book of life so we could spend eternity in heaven for with, with Jesus Christ. How much more should you and I be willing to sow into the kingdom of God? Whether it is our resources, our finances, or your talents, or your gifts and time. Because of what Jesus has done for us. And the Egyptians gave back to Pharaoh willingly, joyfully, because he saved their lives. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.